Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event in weekly Bible for Bible study for uh, February 23rd, 2014. Really, all I have left is three different audio clips that, again, really kind of ties into what we just talked about. Not so much the gory details of, let's say, what they're planning on martial law. But leading up to that, what are the signs and the symptoms that we are seeing here and looking for in regard to the signposts on the way to martial law, to a global currency reset, the collapse of the dollar, these types of things. And with these these bankers dropping dead of supposed suicides all of a sudden, dropping like flies... Crazy. I mean, now this has been going on for a long time, but now there's been this other rash of of banker deaths here, and there, when you start seeing people really dropping dead like this, supposedly committing suicide, you have to think that they're really trying to tie up their loose ends. In their terms, probably take out the garbage prior to implementing. Because again, remember what I said before. I'm not calling them garbage. I'm saying that's how they would view them. Um, you look at the purge of the military, the generals, okay, which we've talked a lot about. Um, you look at people like even like Jay Leno being booted. We we talked a lot about that in the previous two two teachings. People getting people out of whether it be media, whether it be the government, whether it be the military, getting these people out. Now we're going to be looking at getting certain people out of the banking financial industry that most likely know too much are considered a loose end and are maybe not wanting to go along with the agenda or they know that they won't go along with it as wholeheartedly as they need to. And this is why these people are being bumped off. So, you've seen a lot of this across the board. This is just further confirmation. Now, this is an excerpt from a coast-to-coast George Norrie interview on February 20th, just three days ago of this year. And he interviews V, the gorilla economist. It's amazing because the guy's a real gorilla and he can talk. I, I mean, I was dumbfounded the first time I saw this guy talk, being a real gorilla. And um, he's really articulate for a gorilla and for a primate of his stature. Uh, he is a silverback. He is the alpha male. And he's just funny that way. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Call me crazy, but I mean, the guy, you know. Anyway, sorry, I just made that last part up. Anyway, he calls himself V, V for victory, the guerrilla economist, who explains the ins and outs of what have we've been seeing with global economics and the trifecta of issues he believes is behind the series of banker deaths uh, where the list continues to grow. Now, this is about... He was on there a lot longer than this, but this clip's about 27 minutes. I normally don't play clips that long, but I'm not going to be able to do it better. He's the expert, and it ties in. I wanted to give like three different opinions on this whole thing about the banker deaths and what that means. And we're going to hear from three different experts that can articulate this far better than I could. And I'll probably be stopping the commentary time to time, but uh, I thought that this was a better way to kind of end this part of the study and uh, to kind of go with that. So I'm going to start from the 1023 mark of this of this um, video clip. You're going to hear George Norrie 
of Coast to Coast interviewing uh, this um, uh, guerrilla economist, V. So I'm going to go ahead and roll that now. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and roll this now. I had to queue it up to that point. And this is an actually a two-and-a-half-hour uh, segment. I, I, I think V goes on to talk more after this. And I'm not playing that. But if you want to, I have the link in there. You can listen to the whole, the whole interview if you like. Um, I'm just trying to condense as much as I can condense. So we'll go ahead and play this now. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. I'm George Norrie. So what are we to make of this sudden rash of banker suicides? Does this trail of dead bankers lead somewhere? Is there something else going on? V is the guerrilla economist. He's worked for some of the top commodity trading firms and investment banks. He has also contributed to private think tanks that help create investment policy. V predicted the pinpoint accuracy of the play-by-play of the Eurozone crisis. He was the first to warn about Japan's disastrous economic policies. He was with me last year, and he's back with us on Coast to Coast. V, this is an amazing story. First of all, I want to check in with you and see how you're doing. I'm doing great, George. Uh, I'm excited and, uh, and very... You know, very thankful to be back on with you guys. And, uh, you know, there's so much going on. I mean, where do we begin? I mean, 2013 was was an explosive year financially. And then 2014, George, I'm telling you right now, it's like the wheels are coming off on this thing. And it's, uh, I mean, we are starting this year in fifth gear, my friend. Oh, boy. Let's keep these. Okay, now that's a very common theme I'm seeing from all of these, particularly alternative media economists. They keep saying the wheels are coming off in 2014. Gerald Salente, this guy, so many other people I've heard interview, saying this is going to be a monumental year in regard to that. Wheels on before they fall off. Now, these bankers that have committed suicide, there's, there must be five or six of them all around the country, all around the planet, and two most recently from J.P. Morgan, one from Hong Kong, jumping out of a skyscraper, there's, there's something weird going on here, V. What do you think it is? Well, let's start with this. The unofficial numbers for these banksters that are dead, unofficially, from what my sources have been telling me, the number ranges around a little over 20. 20? Wow. A little over 20. We have, so far, about eight guys that are confirmed dead. Okay, the latest one being this gentleman, Lee, who is a junior investment banker, uh, who was linked to the Forex market, who uh, slipped on a banana peel and fell off the uh, the uh, Hong Kong J.P. Morgan headquarters. Uh, the- now, he does a lot of banana peel references because he's a gorilla and he gets paid in bananas. That's that's how he works for cheap. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. There is a connection between Lee, uh, also the fact between uh, Ryan Crane, which is the gentleman from Connecticut who mysteriously died in his home, uh, as well as Gabriel McGee. That's the first J.P. Morgan guy that, you know, was, uh, you know, he was walking and all of a sudden he fell out of the 33rd floor all by himself. And, um, you know, 33rd floor is, you know, kind of, uh, you know, anybody who looks at the numbers, that's kind of a a flag right there. It sure is. the, The thing about McGee and Ryan is this. Here's the thing. When you look at Ryan, I'm going to get into these J.P. Morgan guys right off the bat. Okay. When you look at Ryan Crane, the man was in charge of platform trading. Okay? He was in charge of all trade platforms. 
He knew the, he knows the programs. He, he knows it in and out. And one thing, when I worked for a, uh, a, a, a U.K. bank, okay, and I headed up one of the divisions over here in uh, the U.S., uh, we were in constant communication with London. Uh, when you have a bank like uh, J.P. Morgan with their New York office, you better believe that they will be in constant communication with their London office. Now, for those that don't know, Wall Street is the... Uh, is the ancillary system of this whole financial scheme, so to speak. The nexus of this whole thing centers around London. Now, Ryan Crane and Gabriel McGee, and what was Gabriel's position? Well, he did the same thing that Ryan did. He was head of IT. So he had the heads of two departments, okay, in two headquarters. These are guys that would be looking at the trade desks, the data from them, they will be looking at the same spreadsheets. They will be looking at the same numbers. What did these guys know that, or what did they uncover? What was it that these guys shared? They absolutely knew each other. They shared information constantly. So they uncovered something that was so heinous, so, so incredible, that if it were to get out, you would see a massive amount of, reprisals, uh, you will see a massive amount of, of people getting arrested, thrown in jail. So this, my friend, is a cleaning, is a clean house method that's being done and is being portrayed before our eyes. Now the question becomes, George, what was it? What, yes. what is, what's really going on? What, There's some little factoids out there. There's right. breadcrumbs that have been dropped into this trail that leads to the woods. Okay? The first thing being if we go back to 2012, and I don't know if anybody, if uh, people have forgotten this, or or this has kind of got you know played out a little while in the news and was brushed underneath the rug, so to speak. If we remember a man by the name of Bruno Ixel, and Ixel goes by his famous name, the London Whale. All right, that is the derivatives trade that that the London Whale did that wound up being a major loss for J.P. Morgan. That loss was initially reported $2 billion, and then quickly the numbers inflated from $2 billion to 5, 5 to 7, 7 to 9, 9 to 10. The actual numbers, and I called it about a year, uh, well, you know, right when it happened, I called the numbers at over $100 billion in losses in the derivatives market from that one trade. That number was later confirmed uh, uh, by a few other investigative reporters and some guys on the inside, one of which was actually reported on, on C-SPAN, okay? So it was a massive loss of London Whale. Now, what the heck did he lose? Off times, you know, you're making these derivative deaths. you got to hedge it somehow. And what my sources have told me is what, what Bruno, what J.P. Morgan used to hedge those bets and use as collateral was actually Chinese gold. The Chinese were storing the gold over at the Bank of England, as well as J.P. Morgan, as well as Barclays, and that gold was used as collateral for the trade. So when that trade went bust, that gold went poof. It, it, it was collateral. It was lost. Okay? Now, we're going to follow that, uh, that, 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 uh, that trail of blood comes a little bit more. What happened in the fall of 2013? All of a sudden, J.P. Morgan says, hey, guess what, guys? We're packing it in. We're getting out of the commodities business. We're not going to do it anymore. What? 
That was a shock to the system. It was unheard of that a major player who used to brag about zero losses in trade all of a sudden decided, hey, we're, we're packing up, we're taking our ball, we're leaving the playground, we're not going to do commodities anymore. And then shortly after that announcement that they were exiting commodities, they announced the sale of their headquarters in lower Manhattan. And that headquarters, George, okay, houses. And you're, and you're talking about the real estate, right? Right. Yeah. Their, their real estate, one Chase Plaza, which is a beautiful skyscraper. Um, that headquarters, George, houses the largest private vault in the world. I'm talking about a vault that's about 10 stories underground and about the size of a football field. And it's connected directly underground to the New York Fed. Here's what it gets interesting. Hmm. They sold that property, which is valued at about $3 billion. They sold it to the Chinese for $720 million. Wow. A third of the price. Now, the question becomes, why would you sell something so cheaply? Simple. It was collateral. And now we begin to see the 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 uh, the links, the 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 dots, so to speak, pop out at us, and we're starting to draw a very fine line and a very fine picture. Now we know, and uh, Baffin uh, also confirmed this as well. Baffin is the German uh, financial arm that kind of works with the Bundesbank, but they are. Uh, very serious players in, in financial regulation in Germany. The head of Baffin came out and said there is massive fraud in the gold market that's even bigger than what's going on with LIBOR. Okay? That's a huge thing. Now, we all know, I mean, listeners to your show know that anybody with a, who's astute financially knows that there's massive manipulation in the gold market, massive manipulation in commodities in gold, silver, and even in oil. And it just so happens that this link with uh, with Crane as well as McGee has to do with the manipulations that are occurring with the gold market, the Chinese gold, and the London whale trade loss. Hold on for a second, V. We're going to come right back with you in just a moment. Incredible story on Coast to Coast Day. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. We are uh, talking about this incredible story where a number of bankers around the planet have either committed suicide or they have passed on under very strange circumstances. Our guest, V, with us as we try to sort through this and unravel it. V, of course, I'm getting lots of emails, and as we did when we first talked, why do you call, call yourself V? <laughs> There's a lot of reasons, uh, mostly for, for victory, I guess. Um, and then it has to also do with uh, you know, a couple of couple of points in my life that are very important to me that happen to start with the letter V. That's about it. And also it allows some anonymity. And uh, anonymity yeah, the, in, I mean. in the world I operate in is a, a good thing. Keeps you a little safer, does it? A lot safer, yes. <laughs> so when these stories started popping, uh, these bankers started dying, and I started looking at the dots, some of them I said, all right, maybe there were some legitimate suicides here. But after we had so many, I said, you know what? Somebody's bumping these people off. They're getting hit. And so let's let's go back to that thought that you were bringing up before, slipping on banana peels and things like that. I think I think wasn't there one who got killed by a uh, electric nail gun? 
yes. There, there was a gentleman uh, by the name of I... Who would commit suicide with an electric nail gun? Yeah, exactly. That is a... That's a gentleman by the name of, uh, I believe, Richard Talley. That was the guy's name. 57 years old. Shoots himself about six to eight times. A lot of Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a nail gun. You know, so it's ridiculous. I mean, the stories you hear about the guy who tries to, sh- you know, commit suicide by shooting himself three times in the back of the head. <laughs> well, I mean, let me go through just some of these names. Just some of these names that I have. Of course, we have the one in Hong Kong who jumps off a 30-story building. He's 33 years old, the one that you just mentioned. Right. Then we've got the, the one from uh, Deutsche Bank. Uh, he was an executive there. That was on January 26th. Gabriel McGee, the 39-year-old senior manager at J.P. Morgan. Michael Duker, he's a chief economist at Russell Investments. He fell down a 50-foot embankment uh, that police are describing as a suicide. Richard Talley, the one you just mentioned, Shot himself in the head, they say, with a nail gun out of Colorado. Another J.P. Morgan director. Henry Crane, he died, 37 years old. These guys are all young, too. Tim uh, Dickinson, a communications director at the Swiss Bank. Another one. I mean, so on and on and on and on. Now, here's something also that I then find fascinating. They are all young. What's going on there? Well, here's the thing. These are... are when you're this young, when you're at this age bracket in the banking and finance world, you're that 30 and the latest 50-year mark. You're kind of like a mid to top level manager. You're not, you know, you're not quite up there yet. You're not, you're not with the real, real big guys. But you're doing okay. You're doing very well. You're doing very well. Number one and number two, you're on the operational end of a lot of things. So. You kind of are the buffer between top-level, you know, CEOs and executives and the middle managers on down. You're the buffer. So a lot of data flow goes through you, and you get to see a lot of information. So if there is a clean house operation in effect, you're most likely going to be the guy that's going to get ticked off. Um, case in point, I mean, you, you mentioned the guy from Deutsche Bank, uh, that is uh, William Brokesmith. Okay, Brooksmith, now you got to understand about Deutsche Bank, which is the largest bank in the Eurozone, number one. Number two, is also the most toxic bank in the Eurozone. We're talking about a bank that's $74 trillion in debt when you count their derivative loss. Um, Deutsche Bank plays backup quarterback to J.P. Morgan when it comes to metals manipulation. Okay. So J.P. Now, Morgan, J.P. Morgan would turn to this bank for assistance for help. Correct. These guys were run very close. They run very tight together. Now, when Baffin, which is a German banking regulator, when they started investigating Deutsche Bank, they started realizing, wait a minute, there's something going on here. And one lead led to the next that got them involved into looking at the London Fix, which is basically a, a global gold benchmark used by like mining companies, central banks, bullion banks, jewelers, that pretty much fixes the price of gold, right? Yes. They're finding fraud everywhere. 
And not only is Deutsche Bank involved, but you got Barclays and HSBC and Society General, J.P. Morgan. And guess what? The two biggest manipulators, Deutsche Bank and J.P. Morgan, Deutsche Bank at the same time that J.P. Morgan, the same time frame that J.P. Morgan announced, hey, we're getting out of the commodities market, Deutsche Bank announces the same thing. Go figure. Huh. Exactly. And then Brokesmith winds up hanging himself in, 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 his, uh, in his London house. So let, let me ask you a, a couple scenarios and, and tell me what you think might be going on. Scenario one, that they're all linked together in some major league banking scandal, and they just can't take it, so they kill themselves. Is that possible? No. Nah. All right, so you're going to rule that out. Yeah, right? completely. Theory number two, they're all on the end of some major fraud, major fraud, and somebody wants to keep them quiet. Maybe they've threatened to say, look, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going public. And they've been bumped off. What about that? That is the most plausible scenario in this case. Now, if, if that's the case, if that's the case, what do you think the major fraud or scandal might be? It can't be another housing bomb. Not this oh, early, no. right? Oh, this is big. The major scandal is this, and I think, George, I think people forgot about this. Remember the LIBOR scandal. Yeah, that, that, that's the uh, fixing, the insider fixing of interest rates and lending rates between banks and, you know, which affects uh, consumer rates, mortgages. I mean, it affects everything. LIBOR affected $800 trillion worth of paper out there. $800 trillion. It's massive, the LIBOR scam. So that's just one scandal. So then we have, let's, let's go to, back to that Bassett investigation, because these guys have, have accelerated to the point that Interpol is involved. Okay? And now we're seeing that there's, you know, they're finding the, uh, the, 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 the corruption and fraud in LIBOR, the suspected fraud in precious metals, and in Forex. Is there's there... the three big things, George. There's the tripod. There's the three-headed monster that's behind this whole thing, which is LIBOR, the precious metals market, and Forex. Those three are rife with corruption. Do you think what's going on in South Africa, unemployment 24%, Venezuela's falling apart, this mess in the Ukraine... Does this have anything to do with this, this this grouping of issues worldwide? It has everything to do with it. This this whole scenario, I mean, let's look at like Let's look at Forex, which is the foreign exchange market. Let's look at um, uh, the precious metals manipulation. When you take all these things, okay, these are all symptomatic, uh, symptomatic problems. All right, that correlate to a Western banking system, specifically the Anglo-American banking structure. And when you dive into that further, all what we're seeing right now is the is a is a a fight for survival, if you will, for the entire petrodollar system, George. And I and I said this: if you're a central banker, the last thing you want 
okay, is, is to allow the precious metals to appreciate in price. That's right. If you're a central banker, you want to maintain as much monetary credibility as possible. So remember what he's saying. The last thing you want if you're a central banker, and these are the guys that literally hold the purse strings for the entire planet based off their fake fiat currency system that they operate in. The last thing you want is for these precious metals to appreciate or be what they truly should be, like gold and silver and, and other precious metals. In other words, they're severely deflated in regard to the price they should be, particularly silver, which should be at a 16 to 1 ratio with, with gold. You know, it's not even near that. And um, so that's what he was talking about there. So when you look at what's happening to the whole entire world, George, in the last, oh, I'd say five to ten years, what's been happening? Twenty-four of the largest economies in the world are all setting up currency swaps, bypassing the dollar, okay? And, and just today, Australia just announced that they're doing a yuan settlement, meaning they can go ahead and buy oil from from the Chinese, which the Chinese are selling Russian oil, and I'm going to get into those details very soon, but they'll be able to buy it and pay for it as you want, bypassing the dollar. So when you look at 2012 and 2013 together, those two years, every single trade agreement, every single global market agreement and regulation that has been passed has to do with accepting the convertibility of the yuan and the establishment of, 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 of gold as a trade settlement, and nothing within those two years worth, worth of regulations, nothing mentions the dollar. Nothing. Now that has, again, we've talked a lot about that in times past, the devaluation of the dollar and also the dollar uh, being removed as the world's reserve currency, which is the main reason that it's been propped up for as long as it has. And these countries are trying to figure out ways where they don't have to have anything to do with the dollar, which is dying anyway, which is backed by nothing, nor has it been you know, backed by any precious metal for decades. And um, so this is another huge aspect of it. Are you talking about a economic collapse based on these deaths or a banking collapse or both? George, we are looking at both. What we're seeing with these dead men, okay, even though these dead men don't tell no tales, yeah. but their involvement in key positions are speaking volumes of a much bigger picture. And these dead guys, George, are a harbinger to the economic collapse and the coming bank failures. We know that the banks are insolvent. We know that the Fed's been pumping and keeping this whole big, giant Ponzi scheme afloat. We know these things. And when you see these guys getting offed, getting whacked, how we say it in New York, you know, that raises red flags. It raises red flags all over because what's going on here? And this is you just know? over a small, short, several-week period, isn't it? Correct. Correct. I mean, can you, can you imagine, if you will, uh, you know, you had uh, a... If, if, if there was a McDonald's, and all of a sudden McDonald's managers were dropping dead within a span of a week, I mean, you, you'd have the news crews out there... Uh, trying to find out, hey, what's right. going on? Or, is it the working conditions? Is it the stress? Did they eat something? What's going on? Or doctors but, at hospitals around the country. Anything that could tie in some similarity. 
and the fact that these are these are young bankers uh, to, that are very healthy guys, by the way. There, there's something, the there's the something strange going on here. Absolutely. And when people say, well, V, you know, here's the thing. I mean, we've had banker suicides before in history. Well, yeah, we did. And that was back in 29 when these guys were jumping out of their skyscrapers and committing suicide. That's because they lost their clients' money. That's because, you know, they were in the, they, they were basically suffering the after effects of a complete market crash. These guys are dying when the market's up 10%. <laughs> I mean, nothing adds up. So, you know, this is really a harbinger of a much bigger, broader event that's being played out globally, and we're seeing it flare up in places like in South Africa, in Venezuela, and in the Ukraine. All of this has to do with the survival of the petrodollar system. And what's happening, George, is the world is in the process of supplanting that system and breaking free from the shackles. Here's the $64,000 question for you, B. This is all happening now. I don't know if there are going to be any more banker deaths or not, but what kind of a timetable, in your opinion, are we talking about? I'm looking at, I mean, it's hard to look into a crystal ball when it comes to this, but there's a couple of things that are happening globally, which I would calculate into my uh, calculations. I'd I, I give it until at least uh, 2015 or so when we start really seeing this thing. I mean, 2014 is you know, wheel starts coming off. And I think I said that in the last broadcast that I was on with you. Yeah. And I'm still looking at that 2015 time frame of this whole thing just imploding and coming apart. Uh, we Look, I mean, we want to look at some major science. Here we go. 2013, what happens? Well, Russia and China signed the largest energy deal ever, okay? $270 billion energy deal. Huge. And Absolutely. that's between Rosneft, which is Russia's largest oil company, happens to be the largest oil company in the world, two times bigger than ExxonMobil, it's bigger than Royal Dutch Shell. And they have basically agreed to sell oil to Sinopec, which is a Chinese company, and Sinopec is going to be the wholesaler of Russian oil. Boom, shot number one to the petrodollar system. Here's shot number two. Iran's being faced with sanctions. Okay, they need to keep their economy afloat. What, what happens? Well, Putin, being the tactician that he is, goes ahead and buys Iranian oil to the tune of 500,000 barrels per day. And gets okay? a deal. And he gets a deal. He gets a sweet deal. And the Russians don't need the Iranian oil. You see? So they make all the oil in the world. What they do is they're just taking the Iranian oil and then selling it over to the Europeans and the rest That's of the right. world. For a yeah. nice profit. Exactly. And in the process, it's another shot the petrodollar system. The third big shot came when Iran started selling oil to the Turks and the Indians, and they'd settle that, gold, uh, that oil with gold. And that's the third big shot. Okay, and then you have the emerging markets waking up saying, hey, you know, we don't have to spend uh, all this, you know, all this expense on, on, on converting the dollar so we can buy food and, and buy energy for our population, we can just cozy up to the Chinese and do a currency swap with them and, you know, use our own currency. This is great. And if the U.S. comes breathing down our necks, we just cozy up to the Chinese and the Russians, and they'll tell the U.S. to go take a hike, just like they did in Syria. And the U.S. packed it in. If you were in Hollywood, you could not write a better script. 
than what's unfolding right before us. Absolutely. This is this is like uh, yeah. This is uh, the the movie The International mixed with the the Devil's Advocate all in one. Yeah, I'm waiting for Al Pacino and Tom Cruise to come popping in any minute. <laughs> <laughs> this is just unbelievable. So I guess. The, is anybody, and you know, you mentioned Interpol for a moment, but is anybody publicly tying in the deaths of these bankers, any law enforcement agency? In the United States, no. Nothing. Uh, in Europe, there, there are some murmurings. Uh, there, you, know, the, you know, there are some, some things being mentioned, uh, even in China. But in the United States, it's, it's, it's a dead as a doornail. I, I think uh, U.S. law enforcement is more concerned with... Uh, uh, you know, SWAT teaming a, a grandmother's uh, home because yeah. her, I don't know, her dog was barking or something. Uh, That's what they're more concerned with these days. I wonder what the banksters are saying. They've got to be concerned. They've got to be biting their fingernails. They are biting their fingernails because what's happening is in this grand global chessboard, these guys are losing, okay? Uh, they're losing their very system that they've relied upon, and that system is a system of, of pure paper and pure manipulation and, and pure... And the Russians and the Chinese are checkmating these guys, George. They're checkmating them left and right. And that's what they're freaked out about. And now they can, you know, because of things like the Internet, uh, because of whistleblowers, because of people on the inside uh, disseminating information, you know, they can't keep the fraud going because systemically and mathematically it's becoming more and more impossible. And something, George, that's unsustainable has an end point, and we're reaching that end point. These Okay, so then they go on to do another part of the interview, but at that I felt like the information he just went over, we were able, he was able to tie a lot of the things together from a financial, economical side of, of what we're seeing ahead of us. Now, the next report is um, entitled, China Drops Bombshell in U.S. Banker deaths, bank runs, financial bigwigs running scared, it's all connected. And again, I wanted to have some different perspectives uh, on this. But what you're going to see is they're all pretty much in alignment. We're getting different nuances uh, with each um, person reporting on this, with each expert reporting on this, uh, that all kind of tie things together. Now, this is Fabian for Liberty, breaks the news that China has started dumping the U.S. dollar. Now, isn't that what he was just talking about, where... These, they're trying to do, you know, these um, trades with these other countries, with like Russia and China, where they're denom- they're doing these um, uh, whatever purchases they're trying to do in their own currencies, not having to try to convert their currency to the dollar and then go to China or then go to Russia. They're using it in their own currency, bypassing the dollar. Uh, which will ultimately lead to the demise of the dollar, or at least one factor. Um, China has started dumping the U.S. dollar and says if you look around and all the heavy hitters in the financial world are saying the time has come for the dollar to cease to be the world's sole currency. Um, the Chinese has dumped almost $50 billion in U.S. treasuries. The Japanese have dumped about $4 billion, And there's a link to that uh, report here if you want to click on that. What Fabian points out is that China is sitting on a record amount of surplus but are not buying up U.S. debt as they always have done in the past. The dollar is being phased out. 
Uh, I mean, again, this could greatly impact you if you've got everything denominated in dollars. If you have things uh, like when the banking system collapses, if you have a lot of investments in paper, you might as well just kiss them goodbye. If you ever see them again, when they are revalued, they will be at a much greatly diminished rate. Uh, what the ultimate hit will be when they, after they reintroduce a, uh, I don't know if it'll be a regional currency or global currency, you're going to have a fraction if you can even get to that money ever again. And again, that's that's by design. They know that the the poor classes don't have a lot in the bank and savings. It's the middle the middle upper class that would have more in savings. And if they've got even things like pensions or four hundred one ks or or these types of things. Uh, they would have more in that, and, and if they can have this global currency reset, you may find one day you can't even, they have a bank holiday, you can't get access to your money. Again, that would be a tremendous way to absolutely annihilate the middle class overnight, which is one of the last main um, puzzle pieces left in the implementation of the New World Orders, the total destruction of the middle class of America. So, it's all by design, and it's all coming, and, and the dollar's being phased out. Add to that the slew of banker deaths and the high financial workers who have been told to told Fabian that they were leaving the country because it is better for their families and better for their personal safety. So, in other words, um, these are high-level financial workers that are telling this Fabian for Liberty guy that they're leaving the country because they don't want to be the next one that's dead. They're seeing the handwriting on the wall. You know, and so they're they're saying for their own personal safety and the the bank runs in multiple com- countries and riots and others, we will see this all coming to a head. So that's what I'm trying to do here is tie this all together here. So let's go ahead and we'll start this video, this report. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and start this. This is about a nine minute clip here. Um, breaking news: China starts dumping U.S. dollar. And he also gets into some other issues. Everybody, Fabian for Liberty with an incredible bombshell update. Proof of the global economic reset being underway, as if we needed any more proof. Because quite frankly, we can, again, look around the world, look around major financial heavyweights, financial top industry, uh, you know, analysts, the World Bank, IMF, all saying the time has come for the dollar to cease as the world or the sole world reserve currency. But an article today, uh, or the new data that came out today for U.S. Treasury sales are really, really interesting. The Chinese dumped almost $50 billion worth of treasuries. Uh, the Japanese have also dumped treasuries uh, about $4 billion, not much. The lowest level on record for the Chinese since May of 2013. What's interesting is that China is sitting on a record surplus of cash but they're not buying U.S. debt like they always have. Now, let me stop here, for example, because, you know, there's something called the normalcy bias that many of you maybe have heard of. You know, it's basically like if, if you know the world as it is, as it exists, it's hard for some people to, to imagine a world where the dollar isn't the world reserve currency, prices at the grocery store doubling or tripling in price, which already, I mean, a story just came out the other day about food inflation running – on basic staple commodities, 20 to 30 percent plus, and yet wages aren't going up. But yet the Fed's like, "Oh yeah, no, everything's fine. We're you know targeting two percent. We're worried about deflation, but inflation isn't a problem yet." 
even though I've done the math and, and, and it's really simple to see how 20 years of 2%, and it's much higher, we know, 5% at minimum, but just to take them on their word, 2% for 20 years targeted inflation means almost a 40% devaluation in the dollar. But again, kind of getting my head of myself. Let me give you a quick story here. You may or may not have heard of a guy by the name of Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister is an incredible athlete, um, and he believed that he could run a mile in under four minutes. Now, prior to this, nobody had done it, and, and literally scientists, all kinds of analysts, sports pundits of the time, sports newspapers, everybody was saying it is impossible, it is not only impossible, but the body, the human body, cannot run a mile that quickly. Well, of course, Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, but interestingly enough, not so much of his story and his success, but it was within a year of Bannister breaking the mile, hundreds of other people broke the four-minute mile. Now, today we live in a world that's pretty similar, uh, with the sense that top analysts, top people around the world, don't recognize that the dollar is being phased out. Now, Although major institutions, all kinds of people are calling for that, and I believe telegraphing to their local country or whatever constituents or whoever it may be, that this day is coming, the average American is so dumbed down, so clueless about the reality of what this means to them, and, and just the reality that it could even happen. So, back to the Chinese who on record are marketing to their people, hey, we want to get rid of the dollar as the world reserve currency, buy gold, buy silver. They've loosened all the restrictions for the people in China to be able to buy those gold. There's a super block emerging, uh, this alliance with Russia and, and China, um, and in the top eight economies of Asia, all are engaging in bilateral trade agreement. London is now setting up all kinds of different branches to use the yuan for international currency uh, uh, trading and settlement. So it's the handwriting's on the wall, ladies and gentlemen. The question is, and I get people that will make a comment often, and they'll say, well, Fabian doesn't know what he's talking about. Nobody knows what's going to happen. And look, it, it, they must be new because I've always said, don't take my word for anything. Do your own research. Much more powerful when you come to this awakening yourself. But the point is, is that it doesn't. you, you, you don't even have to take my word for it. Just look at the evidence that's before you. Now, you could look at the evidence before you, and you could make some pretty good uh, estimates on what's coming, what's happening. Or you could be like, you know what, who gives a crap, I'm just going to live my life, and, and, and whatever. I'm not here to tell you what's right or what's wrong. But the reason why I'm ringing the alarm bell on the global economic reset, particularly this issue, and just all of the proof around it, is because I am trying to be the Paul Revere of just in my own little world, in my little circle of influence of people that I could help waken up to this incredible change, but also to understand that it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of financial markets. It's not the end of entrepreneurship. And knowing this information is extremely powerful because it puts you, in a, 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 quite frankly, at a level where most people aren't. Most people don't know this stuff, and you, if you had any... Um, if you had any experience trying to wake up friends or family, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But here's where you can really, really, knowing this info, knowing the, the world that's changing, you could begin to understand, okay, I'll opt out of the college paradigm. I'll opt out of the job paradigm. I'll start to 
focus on my passion, what I love to do, and I'll start to make a career around that. That's what I want to get people to do. That's the goal of what this channel, what my podcast, what feedingforliberty.com, feedingcalvo.me, the Resourceful Real Estate Academy, the new-to-be-released Resourceful Entrepreneur Academy. That's what this is all about, is people getting out of the job paradigm, becoming an entrepreneur, and being responsible for themselves. Because let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the Global Economic Reset, as I've outlined in detail, as I will cover Saturday at the Global Economic Reset Conference in Los Angeles, is on. Okay, I've said now for almost two years that European banks are being bailed out by the Fed. The real quantitative easing is over $125 billion. And because they're trying to help U.S. banks get recapitalized, which they haven't been recapitalized, unlike U.S. banks that use taxpayer money to do it. Well, who do we see step up in this vacuum? I said all along, okay, the, the, the Chinese, when there's the global run on the dollar, when it happens where top economies are like, we don't trust the dollar anymore. Think about what that says. What do you think that it's just you and I are the only ones that are reviewing treasury data? No, of course not. Countries around the world are. And countries around the world are now thinking today, just at this very moment, hey, wait a minute, Chinese dumped $50 billion. What do they see? And they're holding on to record cash, but they'd rather not invest in treasuries. What are they buying? Well, we know they're buying record gold. How does that influence the rest of the world? What's it say to the rest of the world? So the country that steps up to buy and increase their purchases to help the U.S. was Belgium, out of all countries, which is really Europe. And so there you have... This Western, these Western countries coming together to battle against, in a proxy war, financial war first, against the Eastern super bloc, coming together because Europe recognizes that if the dollar goes down and their banks hold 60% reserves in dollars, their banks will go down. Okay, If the dollar goes down, European banks go down, U.S. banks go down, and not all of them, of course, but a lot of them will be hit very, very hard. And so... They're getting these special favors. Hey, we bail you out. You bail us out and buy treasuries. Because, again, ladies and gentlemen, two questions to ask yourself. When cities go bankrupt, they're usually bailed out by the county. But when the counties go bankrupt, they're bailed out by the states. But when the states go bankrupt, who bails them out? And what happens when the federal government goes bankrupt? Who bails them out? Well, it's the global economic reset. It is a loss of economic sovereignty for America, and it's brought into this global, new global body, new global economic body. And guess what? If they run the world reserve currency, then what other regulations and taxation and global taxes and all this other insanity will they be running and will they be able to uh, exert this influence and power over the American people, but really people around the world, okay? So major bombshell update, China, is China beginning to dump the dollar? Is this a, you know, because you could also say, look, this is a seasonal thing. Last March, they did the same thing. Could be. Could be. But is this the day that the U.S. dollar runs have started? Love to hear what you have to say. Also, would love to see you out Saturday, this Saturday, February 22nd. Tickets are still available. Uh, GER2015.com. GER2015.com. Get your tickets there. I guess that's a seminar he, he puts on regarding becoming like an entrepreneur and opting out, like you said, of the college bubble, college uh, paradigm system, which is what, you know, the public and private school systems absolutely, totally push for, brainwash. It's the only way 
you're going to do everything when you have literally millions of people with college degrees all trying to compete for the same jobs now. Jobs that have been outsourced overseas, all by design. Now, I'm not saying that, that there's no rationale for going to college, but uh, number one, with the time we're looking at right now, uh, not a lot of time left. And um, it's a system designed, I really primarily believe, to get you not only to eat up your time, but to get you in absolute total debt coming out of the gates to jobs that don't really currently exist or don't exist even on the same, near the same level as they did 10, 20 years ago. You come out in bondage to the government through school loans and, um, you know, like I've said before, you know, they've, they've had, uh, the, the, with the SWAT teams going into these people with, that owe money on student loans, you know, I don't know how much of that's going on right now, but it has happened, and you've seen the video footage. The one guy, he wasn't even um, uh, the the person that they got. He wasn't even the one. I think it was, I don't know if it might have been his girlfriend or something that had had, uh, had the student loans. She wasn't even there. She had moved out. So, um, anyway, the... This is um, this is what we're we're facing here, and then the biggest, um, let's see here. The uh, last last report is entitled "Obama Preparing for U.S. Civil War." Uh, Dave from X twenty two, another kind of uh, guru along these lines, uh, explains how we are at the precipice of total economic collapse, and we should be prepared for another false flag. So the pending bills left alive in the U.S. Senate to strip the veterans of their guns can be implemented. And again, that ties back to what we were talking about before. I think it bolsters what I'm saying when I'm giving you so many different sources of experts in the alternative media in their given field that are all essentially saying the same thing just with different ways they're putting or maybe different things they're emphasizing it. The reason he explains is because veterans... Those trained in warfare, how to fight, how to lead, would be the first line of defense for our country's populace to protect them from a tyrannical government imposing martial law on its people. Our veterans would be the best prepared to lead a revolution, a civil war to remove a government out of control, so they must be disarmed. Already, the VA is making decisions to prevent the lawful ownership of weapons by veterans. I mean, what an unbelievable slap in the face. Without a hearing and without any legal legislation to stand on, and the veterans' only recourse would be a, quote, appeal, which they would never it would, they would never get. I mean, I believe this is all veterans they're talking about now, which is the way they want to make it. Via the X-22 report website, another major shooting event or some other event will happen in the future which will outrage the American people to push the people to ask and beg for gun control. Again, big reason they're letting the illegal aliens flood into our borders and, then the, and they want um, amnesty, they want you know, them to all become legal citizens is because they will vote the way that their handlers, that their masters tell them to vote. They're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. The welfare state, which, you know, is just a gigantic portion of this country, the illegal aliens, the people that live off the government are going to be much more inclined, and not only that, but it's a proven fact that, like the the um, like with the illegal aliens too, they're much more favor of of gun control. They're much more in favor of taking. They're they're much more have a, a democratic bent to them, a more liberal bent. It's a proven fact. It's not prejudice. It's just a proven fact. 
and and therefore they're going to go along with the draconian legislations, with disarming the populace, and they're going to have they, they you know with enough of these people and as evil as things are, and as as deluded as people are mentally in the way that they're thinking. And with the welfare state being what it is, and the illegal aliens, you could go on and on and on, they're, they're, um, uh, they're just moving toward that critical mass, uh, that tipping point where they know that they'll have the votes, but the voting process is totally rigged anyway, reported on that many times, but just to have enough mass of numbers where they can have spies you know, in every neighborhood because there's going to be so many of them that have you know, bought into this whole globalist New World Order lie, and we'll go along with whatever, and some of it'll be because they really want it, some of it'll be out of intimidation, some of it'll be because, you know, that's where they're getting their their um, handouts every month, and I mean, again, I understand welfare has a, a you know a place in whatever, and, and I know there's, but I'm talking about when you have this massive, created, bloated system that's designed to create this type of defective mindset of the masses that you know, that is favorable toward disarmament of people and, and is pro-abortion and is pro-sodomite agenda and is pro-big brother and is pro-open up the borders. And, you know, a, a country without borders is not a country. And I don't qu- ever quote Reagan, but he said that. And it's true. A country without borders is not a country. We're the only, we're the only country on the planet that does it. And yet, I guess we're just supposed to keep doing it because it's neighborly. Of us, and because there's so many here, how could we uproot them all? Well, they created the problem. It's all by design, and it's all ultimately to do, totally annihilate, decimate, and destroy the last vestiges of the middle class of this this country, and therefore sweep up all of the people encompassed in that. Being Second Amendment, pro Constitution, pro life. I mean, they, the a, a larger, a huge demographic of those people reside in that middle class. So. Let's go ahead and we will um, listen to about, mm, looks like about 12, 13 minutes of this, and then we'll be done for today's study. Okay, so again, this is the X-22 report, and um, another kind of expert in the field of, of, um, you know, kind of current event news and economics, and um, I'm going to start at the 140 mark of episode 297, and uh, we'll go from there. Into the economic collapse news. And what do we understand? Well, we know the government wants to disarm the American people. That is pretty much a fact. They've been trying all different types of tactics to get the uh, arms away from the people. They are mass shootings. They, the president created executive orders. They're trying to uh, buy up all the ammo. They're trying many, many different things. They, all, they already have the U.N. arms treaty pending in the Senate. They have the Diane Feinstein bill still pending in the Senate. They're waiting for this special event to come along where they can say, see, we do have laws waiting and ready to be used. We should implement, it, implement these laws because what are we seeing? We're seeing all of these mass shootings, and this last one was so horrific that we need to take the weapons away from the American people. And again, this is what they're trying to do. But in the meantime, what they are doing is they are sending letters out to veterans, and they're declaring them incompetent to... Um, to have a weapon, and they want them to hand over their guns. 
And we know this. This was starting last year, and this has been continuing up to this year. And right now, the Obama's gun-grabbing agenda has created victims out of over 129,000 veterans, where they received a letter saying that they're incompetent to have a handgun, and they need to turn it in. And so far, 129,000 veterans were affected. And of course, according to a letter the countless veterans have received, they are no longer allowed to possess or transport firearms. If found guilty of doing such, they will face either heavy fines, jail time, or both. And the veterans are allowed to fight back through an appeals process, but several of those have filed appeal claims uh, with the VA Administrative Office, and their appeals are going absolutely nowhere. As it turns out, the VA has been ruling these veterans incompetent without a hearing, but instead with a stroke of a pen. So we can see what the agenda is. The agenda is to disarm all veterans. Why do they want to disarm all veterans? Well, when martial law and the whole entire system collapses, and we know the economic collapse is coming, we are right at the precipice of the collapse, they realize that these veterans, they know how to handle these weapons. They know how to fight. They have been trained by the military, and these people, the veterans, they are afraid of them because they could lead revolutions, civil war, and remove the government, and this is why they started disarming these people. And again, they want the rest of us disarmed, and you will see another false flag trying to push both of these laws that are pending in, uh, both of these bills that are pending in the Senate, because they don't leave things pending in the Senate for nothing. They, the, the president, during the Sandy Hook mass shooting, asked the Senate, because it was being, uh, I mean, during the Boston bombing, I'm sorry, they asked the Senate to keep these bills pending in the Senate. Do not remove it, but leave them there. We saw John Kerry sign the U.N. Arms Treaty, which absolutely means nothing because it's not ratified by uh, the Senate and Congress. So right now, it's just sitting there waiting, and, and it's going to wait for a special event because we have to remember the president has created all these executive orders that support these bills, and he's done so because he realizes and his administration realizes that they are going to push these bills through and get them passed because they understand before this collapse comes or during the collapse, they will need to disarm people as fast as they possibly can. Now, as we know, the United States, the central bankers, have been using propaganda to demonize China. They use it to demonize Iran. They, just, they use it to demonize Syria, North Korea, Russia. And right now, a new Gallup poll is out, and their propaganda is actually working. What they're seeing now is China, not Iran or Syria or North Korea, is now America's number one enemy, according to the new Gallup poll. 52% see China's growing economic power as a critical threat to the vital interests of the United States in the next decade, while 46% cite such a threat from the country's military. So we can see what they have done. They understand that the yuan is a direct threat to the U.S. dollar. The Chinese are out there. They're making deals all across the world. They're um, 
they have bilateral trades going on. They have clearinghouses in Africa. Two nations in Africa are already stocking, uh, uh, changing the reserves, dropping the U.S. dollar, taking on the yuan. We see many countries out there that are using the yuan in trade. We see the yuan is going to be backed by gold, backed by uh, petroleum, and we can see that this is being put. Now, this is the third economic expert in a row I've played that has talked about this whole thing with the yuan and the global currency reset and the demise of the dollar. And so, I mean, three different guys that are unrelated all saying the same thing. Pushed and pushed and pushed, and the dollar is in a downward spiral imploding on itself. And this is why the empire of the United States is out there in the Middle East, in Africa, in Ukraine, in Thailand, in Tunisia, in every single one of these countries trying to keep the U.S. dollar in these countries or trying to get it into these countries. And we, this is what we're seeing right now. But they have to demonize China right now because eventually we will end up in war with China and Russia because the central bankers, the United States government, are going to go down kicking and screaming. They will not just say, okay, the U.S. dollar is no longer reserve, the, the reserve currency. What they're going to do is they're going to start a war to first cover up the collapse, and they do believe once they start this war that they're going to be the victors of the war, and they'll just reset the entire system just like they did after World War II with Britain. Okay, so I, I wouldn't uh, try to argue with what he's saying at all. Uh, what I would add to that is that that would obviously be World War III. China and Russia against America and her allies, probably some European countries and whoever else. Um, but that would also be in conjunction with World War III from a Middle East standpoint. Now, I don't think that those two things would occur separately. You would have, okay, South Korea, America, um, Britain, some European countries, obviously, Israel, align with the United States. And then you'd have the other ones, the Middle Eastern Arab countries, Iran and, and these Iraq and, and all of those surrounding Israel, who have just a hatred from just Islam alone, and then China, uh, possibly North Korea, obviously, I think they'd be on the, the same team, and uh, Russia. Now, I'm not including everybody. You probably have Australia on our side, on America's side, uh, and that could literally be the whole start of World War III, and, I, and that's what I've predicted will, be, will, will bring about the start of the great not the great, but the, the seven-year tribulation. The great's not to the second half of it. But um, in order to establish and bring about the New World Order, I believe that is what, in order to bring about the start of the tribulation, I believe that is the way that it's going to happen, or some derivation of that. Again, I, I can't say for sure, but it seems like the most plausible um, way where they could accomplish as many things from a satanic agenda as possible. And wars are, are the greatest tool to do that. I mean, trying to implement change in, in global economic uh, transformation, and also they make more money during one day of war than they make during a year of peace. They've stated that many times, the, the Illuminati. Um, that would be the uh, 
the greatest vehicle to bring that about. Woods, and this is their whole mentality right now. Now, as we understand, Iceland completely broke free of the bankers. They put them in jail, and Iceland was looking at joining the EU, which would have been a big mistake. And they looked out there, and again, just like the Ukraine, they said, you know what? These countries have double-digit unemployment, 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. They, are, they have so much debt. They have austerity going on. People can't live. It, they're in a recession slash depression. So Iceland, right now, Iceland's government supported the proposal of foreign minister of the country to drop the plan of joining the EU. The government also decided to cancel the referendum on whether to continue negotiations with the EU. And right now, 60% of the 320,000 Icelanders currently oppose the European integration. And again, they shouldn't join just like the Ukraine should not join. Why would you want to join a system that has every single country in debt? People are starving. People can't make ends meet. There's an unemployment in the double digits. There is absolutely no reason why you would want to join. And again, since they're not joining, we might see something happen in Iceland because every place where uh, you are not part of the private Western Central Banking system, the private Western Central Bankers see you as the enemy, and their whole goal is to put you on the private Western Central Bank, and they want you to use the euro or the U.S. dollar as the currency. Now, we understand in the Ukraine this whole sponsored riots and protests was sponsored by the U.S. government, CIA, uh, every single private Western Central Bank country. And they have spent, to get this done, $5 billion. And this goes on to say, the orchestration of the crisis in Ukraine is easy. The neoconservative Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Nuland told the National Press Club in Washington on December 13th that the U.S. has invested $5 billion in agitation in the Ukraine. So we can see what ha has happened, and their goal ha is the same. No matter what they're doing, no matter what the news is telling you, they only have one goal, one goal only. That is to take out the government in the Ukraine and replace it with a puppet government. They can sign truces, they can sign deals, but again, the goal will always be the same, and knowing how these central bankers work, they will never abide by these deals. They will always make some excuse up and then start the rioting or try to push for a changing of the government, and this is how they've always worked, and we're seeing this happen right now in the Ukraine. We understand on Friday the president signed a deal, the president of Ukraine signed a deal with the opposition and they laid out some rules uh, and some of them I don't agree on that where they can just change the constitution and but the whole deal that they laid out is going to be used to replace the president and the government officials. That is their plan and they will speed this up and we're seeing this happen right now. And this goes on to say that Russia right now is saying that the opposition is failing to meet the deal requirements. And they're very concerned that the opposition is pushing for, pushing for a regime change faster and faster. And, and Lavrov has, con has conveyed this to Germany, uh, to Poland, and to 
the French counterparts, saying, whoa, whoa, let's take this a little bit slower. And again, the opposition is speeding this up because they need to get that government out of there and put in a puppet regime, have Ukraine on the private Western Central Banking system, and have them join up to NATO. And you can see this is what is happening. And right now, the Ukrainian parliament votes to remove President uh, Yanukovych, and the Ukrainian parliament votes to hold an early election on May 25th. So you can see how they're speeding this up because this is what's this is their goal. This is their end goal. It's the same in Syria. It's the same in Iran. It's the same in every single country that is out there. And right now, again... Uh, and they've done this more so, as I've reported in the last two, three years, in regard to the Middle East countries they've done this to. Um, this just happens to be in Ukraine this time. So this is their, their pattern. The Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov told the U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry on Saturday that the peace deal signed in Ukraine had been sharply degraded by opposition forces, inability or lack of desire to respect it. Illegal extremist groups are refusing to disarm and, in fact, are taking Kiev under their control with the, with the uh, convenience of opposition leaders. And Lavrov told Kerry uh, by, the, by telephone. Lavrov reminded Kerry that the president... Uh, that President Putin had urged U.S. President Barack Obama during the earlier call to use every opportunity to stop the illegal actions of radicals and return the situation to constitutional channels. But this is not what they're trying to do. Their whole goal is to remove that government. Now, after the Olympics, we're going to have to see what the Russians do, because if they see that this opposition, which is controlled by the United States and the private Western central bankers, continually push and push and push and throw out that government and just put people in there, we might see the Russian military move into the Ukraine, and this could spark war against the U.S., and Russia. And we have to remember, the central bankers don't care how this war starts. They want it started any way they can. They want it started with Syria, they want it started with uh, Japan and China, or here, because they understand once this happens, Russia will get involved, China will get involved, it will spread to the Middle East, it will spread to Ch Japan, and then you'll see all NATO countries in on it, and then we will end up with World War III. So they don't really care how it gets started as long as they get the war started to cover up this collapse that is coming. Okay, so he said a lot, very excellent synopsis of now what we're seeing in the Ukraine, um, how that ties in with the yuan, the global currency reset. Probably the best way I, I could have ended those series of videos or those series of audios we just heard, because the Ukraine thing is the most recent of all the things that we talked about, and uh, very plausible what he's saying. And, um, so, you know, a lot of things to look at there, a lot of things to, um, potentially pray about, um, perilous times that we're living in, obviously, and, um, we'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us, that you would let us come again, Lord, and, and to look at these issues, Lord, I pray that... You give us the wisdom and the discernment and the foreknowledge, Lord, that we need in order to act in whatever manner you would have us act. Whether that's just praying, Lord, about these things, whether there's action 
that needs to be taken. Um, and I know everybody's in a different position, Lord. You might have one person, one family stay a certain place. You might have others leaving the country. It, it, it depends on a given uh, person's calling and options that they have set before them. I pray that you give the body of Christ wisdom and understanding. I pray to God for your protective hand to be upon the body of Christ, particularly, Lord, women out there that are um, by themselves. They don't have a man or and maybe anybody to intervene on their behalf. Um, maybe they have children. And, and I, I know that this is, I know there's, a lot of my listeners, Lord, fall into that boat. And I just pray, Lord, you be their protection. You be their, their shield. That your angels encamp around about them. The remnant, my listeners, Lord. That you hide us from the secret counsel of the wicked, Lord. From the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. As the Bible talks about in Psalm 64. That you intervene. That... You would give us divine foreknowledge of, of if something's going to happen, Lord, that, that we would just know what we need to do, where we need to go, or if we need to stay put. Lord, you can make us invisible, you know, if need be. Or we might have to go through the, the, the fire, Lord, to the fire of, of persecution and the trial of our faith like the Bible talks about. But no matter what, the Lord's grace The Lord Jesus Christ's faith is sufficient. And I just pray you intervene in every one of their lives, Lord. And um, you would use us in the days and times to come mightily for your glory. That many souls would be saved as a result of what you are planning to do through the body of Christ. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. That you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.